Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavelle, and today is July 12th, 2022, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast. Happy Tuesday to everybody. It is, yes, a holy WASD day, and the WASD report came out this morning. The market's tanked, and I'm joined by three analysts today who are going to talk about the grains markets and a little bit of something sweet called sugar. So welcome, Eric, our commodity specialist. Hello, Eric. How are you? I'm doing well, Mike. How are you? Good. Wonderful. Nicole Thomas, Vice President, Information Sales and Services. Hello, Nicole. Hello, Michael. Welcome back from vacation. You Thank decided you. to come on your first day back. I know. I did Wazi. not plan that. Yeah, but, well, you know, you know. It, it happens. And last but not least, Kevin Combs, Vice President at McKinney. For the, hello, Kevin. How are you? Hello, Michael. Hello, everybody. Doing great. Yes. So, uh, boy, you know what? I'm I'm not going to go sports. I'm going to go to something that our IQ subscribers uh, should get excited about. And it's uh, a new thing that we put on the IQ platform. And we have what we call insights from the front lines, our weekly market insights from all the analysts. So uh, these are going to be key insights for that week in all various commodities of what we're seeing out there. So uh, a little bit of what our opinion and, and what's happening out there. And so our first one just we released yesterday. So check it out. Insights from the front lines. And uh, I think it's pretty cool. Right, Nicole? Yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. Sure it's great. <laughs> just got from vacation. <laughs> I took a legitimate vacation. Well, not completely legitimate. I didn't really go anywhere, but yeah. St. Louis, that doesn't count. Yeah, that's but yeah, St. Louis in uh, July. That's I know great decisions. <laughs> great decisions. Six Flags too. Great decisions. Uh, uh, exactly. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, let's go ahead and get started, Nicole. Let's go ahead and start with you and talk about uh, corn and soybeans. I know that uh, last time you're like, hey, it's pretty quiet. Was it quiet this time? <laughs> I mean, both soybeans and corn were down pretty good today. So uh, did that have to do with the WASD or not? Mm. That's a good question. You know, I have a strange phenomenon that whenever I am out for an extended period of time, wild things occur on the market. So I, I'm going to take credit for prices coming down. If, if you know, if you're curious what caused the futures market to come down today, it's because Nicole came back in the office. So you can send those gifts directly to the McKinney Flavelle office in Lafayette, California. Appreciate well, that. There you go. So Wazi was actually reasonably quiet, at least from a corn perspective. <clears throat> not not much changed other than a boost to the ending stocks for 21-22 domestically. Lower feed and residual use, which I guess isn't surprising. It's something we've talked about a bit with more ethanol production and, and accordingly uh, DDG availability, the impact of uh, avian flu on consumption, et cetera. So, you know, and, and, and USDA is already projecting that that category is going to come down by about four and a half percent for 22-23, just based on strength in prices, which could get a little interesting here, depending on how markets behave over the next six months or so. And then as far as the 22-23 balance sheet was concerned, it really your only uh, change there, slightly higher carry-in due to that that adjustment in 21-22. And of course, uh, the addition of the revised uh, planted and harvested acreage from last month's report. 
that gave us a whopping boost to stocks to use uh, for 22-23. Now at 10%, up from 9%. So we're, oh making, we're making ground. So, you know, not necessarily uh, something you would deem bearish, but I'll answer your question on that here when I, when I wrap up uh, as to what what's driving the markets. And then for the global balance sheet, you know, same thing, not much of a change there. Again, most of that stocks increased to this year attributed to the U.S., the better outlook for the U.S. and our increase. There was a reduction to Ukrainian exports, just a million uh, tons there. So USDA may be taking a, an approach of sort of a gradual reduction uh, as we near the end of the current marketing year and, and just more closely aligning itself with what's already been shipped uh, as opposed to some, you know, trying to gather prospects of what ultimately will come out. And ultimately that also led to a higher uh, ending stocks projection for 22-23 with uh, a, a better carry-in for the upcoming year. So, you know, I would say today's report, if it's not countered by adverse weather, which I think will continue to to present some volatility in the market, uh, at least until we get this crop completed, as you alluded to, uh, Mike, July in the Midwest isn't the most mm-hmm. pleasant scenario under normal <laughs> circumstances. And it's been hot. While I was there, we, we had a few rain events. As a matter of fact, our amusement park day was rain all day. So maybe some some spotty uh, scenarios and with the drying that's supposed to take place over the, the next two weeks or so, hopefully what, what's come through thus far will be enough to sustain that crop until, until uh, more rain comes. And accordingly, you know, with the better uh, acreage, depending on where yields fall, you know, we may be looking at the opportunity to see uh, fives more consistently on that futures board if, if uh, things fare pretty well with, with our production number there. So that was the, that was the scenario for corn. Then for the soy complex was interesting is, you know, you look at soybeans, they were down, you know, I think uh, Mm -hmm. some of the contract months were down like 30 cents. Mm -hmm. And then you looked at the balance sheet and you're like, huh? Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, yes, there was a very modest reduction to crush for this year that, that uh, added, a few million bushels to 2122 but when you looked at 2223 and now incorporating that lower acreage your stocks to use uh for 2223 is now at 5% a little over 5% and that's even with some significant reductions to anticipated consumption so if we get some strength in any of those categories you can see that push even lower so uh, you know all signs would point to another tight year for for soybeans unless we really pick up some uh, unexpected acreage as uh, uh, USDA does some resurvey in this this month. And the global balance sheet was interesting in that South American uh, product uh, producers seem to be uh, looking to add more soybeans to their domestic stocks as opposed to moving them in the export market, maybe with some hope of, of those prices remaining high. Not quite sh- sure, but it does. It kind of gives you a false impression of looking at the global, the total global ending stocks number. Uh, and like, oh, it looks better. But then when you look in the numbers, you realize that's because the exports were reduced um, for, for Brazil and Argentina. So that's something to follow. And then as far as soybean oil is concerned, it, it's still looking pretty tight for the U.S. balance sheet. 
as well as for the uh, the world balance sheet. Only some modest improvement for 22-23 expected. And if we get, you know, if we were to get um, you know, pressure on crush going into next year, that obviously impacts uh, soybean oil production domestically as well. And part of the reason why stocks are getting a little interesting for this year also related to that reduction in, in crush and accordingly uh, oil production for, for the remainder of this year. And I'm sure for those, you know, kind of out in the market, they may be getting a little pressure on the future side, uh, but they're making up with some of that in basis. And the yeah. same could be said for corn too. Corn basis is is what's the PC way to put this? Astronomical. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. And the last time you talked about availability of beans and and basis kind of going, uh, mm-hmm. I think you would coin it as bonkers. Bonkers. Uh, for, for Q4, are you <laughs> still of that opinion? Well, I mean, we we we're still delayed as far as the plantings are concerned. So new supplies yeah. coming. It's going to take more time, and I think you're seeing that reflected in in the recent increases in basis as well. Mm. Not to mention, you know, from a traditional standpoint, when futures come under pressure, basis strengthens. Mm. And I think, you know, it, even looking at those at those stocks reports, more of those supplies are uh, at least at that point were in the hands of farmers, which you know means they have some leverage in terms of their price expectations. And if you know they've kind of got their their hearts set on seven dollar corn, even mm-hmm. with the futures coming down, it, that basis is going to make up for some of that. So, mm-hmm. in that sense, I, I would expect uh, basis to continue to run strong, run a little stronger than normal for for Q four, and looking at uh, our balance sheet. Like I said, although it improved a little bit, uh, we're still talking you know, 10% stocks to use ratio. And if the, and again, if those prices remain weak, that's even, you know, more of a factor for farmers to try to hold on to as much of it as they can to chase those better basis values. So, and the last thing I'll say for oil users, eh, that market's looking really, really good. And all the things I just mentioned and answering Mike's question at the top, most of this pressure seems to be spec generated. Not necessarily for many material change to fundamentals and the fact that it's pretty prevalent across the board for multiple agricultural and non-agricultural commodities. That is really what we're experiencing. Strengthening dollar uh, moves out of commodities. And, you know, there are those in our office who are better suited to give you the answers. That's a long term or short term thing. Talk to Sean. Hint, hint. Talk to Sean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the bottom line is, right now, this may this probably serves as some opportunity because, from a fundamental standpoint, you're starting to bump into where those levels would 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 be suggested based on on the fundamental scenarios. Okay, great, uh, great recap, Nicole. Let's uh, shift over to uh, Eric. We missed you last month, but uh, give us a, a recap of what happened uh, today in the Wazi. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Good to be back. Uh, really similar to Nicole's uh, recap on corn, you know, not a whole lot of surprises or significant changes for WASDI in relation to wheat. Relatively neutral, about as expected. You know, we knew coming in we'd see a little bit less in the way of acreage, and it was plausible to maybe see a slight uptick in the yield number for wheat, considering the uh, so far that the spring wheat crop in the northern plains is doing really well. And the last two weeks in particular, we've seen a really big jump in the good to excellent ratings for that crop. So the, no, the total national wheat yield rose uh, just 0.4 bushels per acre 
to 47.3 bushels per acre. And, you know, we'll take that. So uh, production actually rose up to 1.78 billion bushels, still below average um, when you look at a 10 or 20 year history for wheat production, but a little bit better than maybe what was forecasted uh, earlier in the year uh, as we started to get uh, indications of the 22-23 balance sheet, which didn't really change all that much from an ending stocks or stocks to use ratio either. So even though with the increase in production, uh, USDA did raise exports by 25 million bushels back up to 800 million bushels for the year. Their reasoning was that wheat prices in the fall that we've seen over the last month uh, may attract some more volume uh, and more U.S. sales. And you know, I think that is that's certainly plausible, um, especially if the Ukraine situation plays out a lot longer here. Uh, we may see the U.S. pick up additional sales, but if you kind of look at the numbers to date, uh, sales on the books are only 222 million bushels. That's down 9% even from last year. And you know, Nicole's point earlier about the rising dollar, we're still dealing with very, very high transportation costs, which ocean freight out to those countries that need it most in uh, Northern Africa and the Middle East, it would be quite expensive still, even with a cheaper commodity price paying with the the higher dollar and those transportation costs. So I don't, you know, I question that a little bit, maybe just a little early to uh, raise that target, but, you know, we'll keep an eye on that. And then globally, really not many changes either. A couple tweaks lower to production for the EU and the Ukraine by 2 million metric tons each. Uh, there was some revisions to demand. So really ending stocks hardly changed, uh, still staying at 267 uh, million metric tons in ending stocks. So, you know, really not, not a lot of um, changes today. And to Nicole's point of the pressure we're seeing and we have seen over the last month, you know, predominantly spec driven, um, you know, we're continuing to see a little bit of harvest pressure for the winter wheat crop that's now 63% harvested kind of add in some additional selling, you know, prices for Chicago wheat are now testing that $8 per bushel threshold. And to me, I consider that opportunistic in terms of starting to layer coverage in for Q1, Q2, especially for 23. And, you know, if folks haven't done so already, you know, I would be certainly taking that into consideration because um, there's still plenty of risk and uncertainty ahead. And, you know, fundamentals are now, to Nicole's point again, that we're, we're getting pretty close to those on wheat as well. So that's what I have. Excellent job, Eric. Uh, let's shift over to Kevin and uh, Sugar. Kevin, boy, they <laughs> it's been exciting. Last week, the USDA did some stuff. And this week, we had the WASD and I'm just going to let you talk about it because, uh, you know, Exciting. the report came out and then all of a sudden I heard a, oh my God, from your office. So maybe you can inform the uh, listeners uh, what you're talking about there. All right. Well, it uh, was a little, little exciting anyway. And, you know, obviously with the quota announcements we've seen, the USDA had some work to do to the supply demand balance sheets and uh, they certainly had to bump up uh, imports. And for 21-22, you know, they had the Mexico quota to take into account, TRQ to take into account, and they didn't give a lot of TRQ increase for 21-22, but they also had some carryover there and put some of it because they extended the deadlines into new crop on the last announcement. So some of that ended up in 22-23. But 
you know, 217,000 tons of imports. And whenever you got all this sugar coming import, then they got to decide, well, you got stuff coming in. What's going on? Is that all going to go to stocks? Well, they, they did bump stocks up 65,000 tons, only a small part of that import. So, of course, they bumped up deliveries, 150,000 tons. So that's, uh, I think, if we're counting here over the last four months, maybe it's five, I think it's four, uh, we've bumped up deliveries, 300,000 tons, and we're that's now crazy. showing <laughs> in a 3.83% growth rate. I don't know when the last time we had 383 but it was probably the year after all the Adkins diet stuff hit, and we right. all went back to uh, eating all our carbs the following year. So Got it. that was, that was the big, oh my gosh, and 150,000 ton in increase. So, uh, wasn't necessarily expecting that to be up that strong, but again, if you got all the sugar coming in, it can't be just sitting there. It's not going to be in stocks. Obviously we need it. And so let's, uh, let's bump deliveries up and see what happens. And if you look at year to date on the SMD report, which it's nice to actually have that out today. And be able to chance to look at it you know deliveries through may are super strong relative to last year so we'll see yeah that's uh i'm doing my part that's for sure there you go well and then 2023 um you know this is the first month where we uh try to balance the supply demand at 13.5 percent stocks to use ratio and uh they did not quite make it despite uh you know, putting in some of these quotas, but uh, there's still a couple import things. I don't think we have the refined TRQ in there yet since that hasn't been announced. And they're only using uh, high tier imports at 50,000 tons. You know, going back historically, that used to be like 15,000 tons. So it's it's up from a historical level, but compared to the 278,000 tons of high tier imports this year, you know, it's, it's a pretty small number. So uh, apparently maybe they feel like they're going to get ahead of the game by allowing the uh, fourth quarter uh, carryover on the last quota to come in. And we won't have this shortage where, you know, we have raw sugar coming in under high tier imports like we have uh, this past year. Maybe you know, we'll see how that goes. And then uh, they did increase beet production. So we had the higher acreage in the June 30th report. So uh, they bumped up beet production 125,000 tons. I think they're still light here. I think, you know, we still got another 100,000 tons to go, maybe even more uh, if we get some timely rains and, and weather cooperates as Nicole was talking about earlier. And uh, on deliveries, the USDA is expecting a little bit of a decline versus 21-22. Uh, so they don't see this uh, carryover uh, lasting and continuing to grow. But obviously when you look at demand or deliveries for 23, they're still well above what we saw in 21, mm -hmm. which, you know, that was under COVID problems, et cetera. So expect that a little bit to be higher, but, uh, I don't know who's all consuming that much more sugar, but, uh, somebody is, is eating a lot of sugar these days. That's me. That's you. Okay. Well, good. The net of all this, uh, again, I mentioned they didn't get the stocks to use up to 13.5. They only got it to 12.4%. And part of that is uh, the Mexico number, 1.756 million short tons. Mexico is now guaranteed 50% of that number. So they already got a, a healthy quota to start uh, uh, marketing if they have it. And 
actually they couldn't make that number any higher because the USDA basically did the calculations based on assuming a 6 million metric ton crop next year and where they see domestic demands, which is also up in Mexico, just like we're seeing in the US. That's all the sugar the USDA thinks they would have as a surplus to ship to the US at the moment. So um, again, a lot can change there as well. Production could be higher than the 6 million metric tons. I think it will be as long as they get the water in the rainy season. Be an interesting next few months, see how uh, some of these numbers finalize for 21, 22, and how the uh, crops are looking for 22, 23, because we certainly need bigger production both in the U.S. and Mexico if these numbers are right. Excellent. All right. Anything else on sugar before we let people go? That's it. Okay, great. Well, we're going to wrap this one up. I hope everybody has a uh, great week weekend. Wait, it's only Tuesday, guys. It's only Tuesday. Yeah. It was not a Friday, was Steve? <laughs> <laughs> Don't get them excited. <laughs> Too early. Well, speaking of Friday, we are going to have a podcast, so go ahead and tune in. So I know a lot of listeners out there love to listen to our podcast on their way home from work or on their night walk or whatever it is. So we're going to have our guests from Ernerberry uh, talking about pork. I love pork. You guys know I love bacon. Bacon. <laughs> and uh, mm. also plant protein. So it's going to be an exciting uh, uh, podcast, a uh, little bit of information that we don't normally have on our podcast series. So look forward to that. It'll be the uh, regular scheduled time on Friday uh, that it comes out. And, uh, yeah, I think we'll let people uh, get on with their week and not finish their week. You can if you want. It's your your decision, right? Uh, well, maybe it isn't. I don't know. But uh, as I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every minute, moment with your friends and family. Until our next podcast, take care, everybody. See ya. Bye-bye. Later. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favelle.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.